as a as a first hand, uh, specifically the lack of weaponry, but sufficient amount of people of volunteers who are willing to fight, but they need more, more weapons again. Всі втрати, які ми маємо, включно з попасною, це виключно тому, що ми не мали паритету у важкій зброї. Якщо бути конкретним, то у артилерії. Якщо б в нас були три сімерки там, де ми стояли автоматами, ну, калашматами проти танків, то це б все не відбулося. Ми б не віддали рубіжне, ми б не віддали попасно. То це ж теж перекладіть їм, будь ласка. So all these territorial losses that Ukraine unfortunately sustained, they wouldn't be the case at all if at that point in time Ukraine had heavy weapons. If when there were fights, heavy fights in Popasna, if when there were heavy fights in uh, Rubizhne town, if at that time Ukrainian defenders didn't fight Russian tanks with assault rifles essentially, if at that time Ukrainian defenders did have M777 and heavy equipment and heavy weaponry, the situation would be different. But it is what it is, and this is the result. And again, at this point, Ukraine needs still needs more heavy equipment and heavy weaponry because that is lacking. And we don't have parity with Russian invaders in terms of heavy equipment and artillery. Зараз ми бачимо, що таке перевага у дальнобійній зброї. На прикладі того, як сьогодні сім, сім складів підірвані у Донецьку. Це відкладає наступ десь приблизно на тижня або навіть на два. So now we are seeing what the, the, essentially the difference in, in between having and not having at least some long-range artillery. What does that mean and what does this difference mean? Uh, the difference basically translated in destroyed, targeted and destroyed Russian uh, ammo depots around in Donet, Russian-occupied Donet. Ukrainian artillery hit them, destroyed them, and this action specifically will delay the Russian advance at least for a week, probably for two weeks. And again, this is what the difference is between having and not having uh, long-range artillery. Якщо б Захід і Вестерни в цілому мали б ціль за ціль завадити Росії наступати, ми б отримали це ще у березні. Але ми втрачаємо людей, і я так скажу, не самих гірших з людей, тільки для того, щоб Росія не просунулась на якийсь кілометр в якийсь день, ну, в, якийсь, в якусь добу. І, і, і це страшне для нас. Тобто, як я казав тоді у січні, дайте нам зброю, ребята, нам не нужні ваші солдати, нам не нужні ваші жертви, дайте нам зброю, що вам це варто. Натисніть на свої правительства. Врешті-решт. So again, it's the same thing. Trepisat emphasizes, he recalls as he pleaded in January of this year, please exert pressure on your elected official, please exert pressure on your governments. Ukraine doesn't need your food soldiers, Ukraine doesn't need your troops, Ukraine doesn't need your sons to die for Ukraine. 
Ukraine just needs your weapons. That's it. And it's still the case. If Western partners wouldn't be reluctant to essentially to give these weapons, the situation would be different. If Western partners wouldn't be reluctant to essentially to, to hold Russia and stop Russia in Ukraine, the situation would be different. Ukraine would have weaponry and Ukraine has the manpower to operate weaponry. Ukraine has skilled manpower to operate weaponry. Ukraine only needs the weapons and it still does as it was the case in January. And very little, unfortunately, has changed. Because again, because of this fact that Ukraine lacks weapons and Ukraine lacks heavy artillery and equipment, the very best of us are dying just to delay Russian advance for a day or two and to delay the Russian advance in a, for a mile or a couple of miles. And uh, again, this is very painful and this continues to be the case. And the weapons are lacking still. And English. I have no half of my battalion as I know in 2016. He's dying in other formation. You know, ну, короче, Волтер объяснил, что половины моего батальона, которых я знал, уже нема. И они погибли в других каких-то формациях, кто в ТРО, кто в ЗСУ. Этих людей больше нет, они умирают каждый день. Сегодня умер побратим с позывным Катана. Я не во всем с ним был согласен. Он был православным священником в жизни но сражался в рядах батальона Донбасс. Он погиб сегодня. До этого погибла целая куча людей. Их больше никогда не будет. Все, чего мы просим, дайте нам оружие. Потому что в России этого оружия по горло, а у нас его нет. И как бы они рассчитывают на это. И, в принципе, их план был в том, чтобы просто ну, задавить нас. So again, it's a, it's a story, a personal story of 350. He's been a, he's a veteran of the fight that's of the war that Russia started in 2014 when he joined Donbass battalion in 2014 to fight in the east of Ukraine against Russian invaders and he made a lot of friends and a lot of his comrades and brothers in arms essentially like he did they volunteered and they rejoined the fight when Russia started the new full-scale invasion on the 24th of February. And it's the poignant story, because at least half of these people that he knew since 2014 with him, with whom he fought hand-to-hand since the 2014, half of them have been already killed since February 24th. People are dying and mass people that he knows, that he knew, that are, again, one of the best people that we have. And it continues on a daily basis. Again, individual uh, that went by a call sign Katana. He used to be an Orthodox priest. He died just yesterday. Yes, they had personal disagreements with him, but they still fought the same cause and people that he knows personally are dying every single day 
and that remains the case. And this is because of the simple fact that Ukraine doesn't have weapons in sufficient number. Ukraine doesn't have enough heavy weaponry. Ukraine doesn't have enough heavy artillery. And Russia has the upper hand. And essentially Russia just has a crap ton of these weapons. And Russia just showers Ukraine and Ukrainian cities and towns and formations with overwhelming amount of heavy artillery. Ukraine still doesn't have it. Ukrainians are dying. They're dying en masse. People that Tripoli said no personally are dying. And already half of these people, his comrades and brothers in arms since 2014, were killed by Russians since February 24th, since this full-scale invasion started. And why? Just because the Western partners failed to deliver enough sufficient heavy equipment in time. Волтер, просто передаємо, що дуже важко відчувати, що люди гинуть буквально на порозі перемоги, коли ми вже розуміємо, що Рашка вже видохлась, але тим не менш, нічого важкого в тому нема дати зброю і просто наблюдати, спостерігати, як ми їх знищимо. Я вже чую, я відчуваю це, але я не впевнений, що я доживу до того моменту, розумієш, а це через що? Через те, що ми не маємо нормальної зброї, в нас радянська зброя вже стволи розстріляні. Там, де має бути 122 мм за паспортом, там 125. 8 років стріляють з цього ствола. Він виробив своє і якби він не виконує своїх функцій. Просто дайте зброю, а ми все зробимо самі. Нічого нам більше не потрібно. Всім дякую, особисто пану Волтеру і всім, хто слухає цей е, простір. Ви молодці, обіймаю всіх і сподіваюся, що ми побачимось у вільному новому світі без сражки. Всім дякую, всіх люблю і до зустрічі, хлопці. Дякую вам. So, it's it's very hard and again and extremely poignant to be and to essentially to feel again that that potentially the victory is coming probably not sooner than later but it is coming and uh, it is it is hard to see people dying for for this victory and understanding that this amount of people could be saved if Ukraine had more heavy equipment, if Ukraine had more heavy weapons, this amount of people wouldn't be dying and so many lives wouldn't be lost. Even though we are heading towards victory, gradually, step by step, it's somewhere distant, but it is coming. And still, unfortunate reality is that many are dying and uh, this could be avoided if only Ukraine had heavy equipment. Again, this has been a pressing issue for, for a long time. Ukraine is using Soviet artillery that, you know, originally was 122 mils. And because of the overuse 
of these barrels, it becomes 125, 126 mils from the inside. The barrels are being overused. They're essentially using the same barrels for eight years already. This equipment is being worn down and still is being used because there is nothing else available. Or at least now when it's coming in very limited numbers, the deliveries from the Western partners, they're still insufficient. This is the baseline. They're insufficient considering the scale of the warfare, considering the scale of the war. And again, Tripisat just bids farewell to us and he he says to us this, you know, his belief that eventually, hopefully, we will meet in a brave new world where there is no tyranny, where there is no autocracy, and where there is finally no Russia, which is the essentially representation on all of that. That's it. Thanks to all people, thanks to all folks. We fighting for you, we fighting for me, we fighting for our короче Slava Ukraine, хлопці. Героям слава. Героям слава. Героям слава. Слава Україні. So again, the, the the issue remains. The weapons are lacking, the heavy equipment is lacking. Our elected officials are dragging feet and uh, unfortunately they're reluctant to deliver sufficient numbers of heavy artillery and heavy equipment to Ukraine that will efficiently and quickly turn the tide the other way. And the cost of this, feet dragging and squandering time is lives. More and more lost Ukrainian lives. So it's imperative that we keep addressing, keep writing to our elected officials, to our representatives about their position, their lack of assertiveness, and push them, give them a nudge regarding transfer of weapons to Ukraine. Because the Ukrainians and Ukraine doesn't need your sons. They don't, they don't need your soldiers. They have that. They are willing to fight for themselves. They only are asking for weapons, and weapons are not coming in sufficient numbers. Yeah, the problem is that many things which happen under the radar screen, we do not know. The only thing which we do know is that um, Transcom and the um, operations of both Great Britain and the US um, is working well and comprehensively, and that more equipment needs to be forthcoming. So. We're looking at you, whoever is in control of the Atacams. We're looking at you, whoever is in control of more high Mars. And we're looking at you, please, our boys, our wonderful boys in the US who have more Gimblers sitting around. Ship them. We have them, we ship them. Ryan, let's go to... Uh, Patty, go ahead. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Indeed. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I had a question about Uh, life in Kiev, but it's not important. Um, I just, instead, I'll just say that I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that we're we're not getting what you need. Um, every time I hear a soldier on this site, it just 
my heart breaks more. And um, um, I, I am calling and tweeting and writing and begging. Um, and I have supportive uh, representation. Um, and I wish it, there were more that I could do to get the weapons there. Um, I, I've also been trying to get journalists um, to um, keep this on the front page and keep attention shed on the urgency and the and the just the disaster and the war crimes and the ethnic cleansing and just in our own time that I never thought I would see in our own time. So I, I just I guess uh, just my heart goes out and um, I feel desperate to, to help and everything that I can do to get those weapons there faster. I, I indeed will do everything that I can. Thanks. Thank you. Um, sorry, I am standing outside right now and I cannot see my phone screen. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, Duchess and then Beth. Good evening. Um, first of all, all I really would like to say is that Ukraine has proved itself to be such a strong country with such strong people who are so determined that the Russians are not going to overtake them and are not going to sweep them off this world. Again, yes, heavy weapons are an absolute necessity and I may be, I probably am naive in thinking that Supply and resupply was done in a, in a kind of cyclical nature um, to the point where the Ukrainian army could say, right, okay, we're fine, we've got enough. But that's obviously not the case. And every day there are war crimes being committed. Every day there are more men, women and children being killed sitting in their homes. I never thought in my lifetime that I would ever witness this. Um, to a certain extent, I have noticed on the news at home in Scotland that at the beginning we had a huge amount of coverage that was going on every day. Now that coverage has slowly but surely gotten less and I think it's a horrendous insult to what is going on in Ukraine. And this generation that we're in, where people look at a screen and see things getting blown up, they don't see it as real. They don't see the real human tragedy, the horror. And it's easy, oh, I don't like that, I'll turn it over. People have got to realise that these people are being genocidally erased by an imperialistic nation that has always been the same, will never change unless something really drastic to them happens. And whether or not it's only a matter of time until that happens remains to be seen. But I truly wish 
that if I could wave a magic wand, that every single piece of heavy artillery, whatever the, the Ukrainian army wanted, they could have. Um, my husband laughs at me because I feel so strongly about this. And I've tried writing, you know, emailing MPs and doing all that's been suggested. And you never get, you get the receipt that they've received it, but you never get a reply. And, well, thank you for listening to my little rant. I hope that your Ukrainian guest continues to improve from his injuries and receives the rehab that he may require. Thank you. Yeah, well, Trippi said indeed he, he is convalescing and he requires a couple more medical procedures after he was wounded near Slovyansk defending defending Ukraine. And I wouldn't, you know, I, I would say it, defending all of us because essentially people in Ukraine right now are defending all of us because Russia, it wouldn't stop in Ukraine if it, God forbid, manages to seize what it needs or wants in Ukraine. It will push further, further and further. So these people are doing God's work by stemming the tide of this horror that is encroaching upon Europe and everywhere else where it can it where it can reach and implant itself. And that horror is called Russia, which yeah. is essentially an uh, epitome to, to deportations, to subjugation, to, to essentially suffering and mass murder and uh, everything that right now happens in Ukraine. Essentially a genocide of Ukrainian people. And rest assured... They would do the same thing to you if they had the chance. That's and uh, they would love to do the same thing. Yeah. They, they openly declare it. And again, if you want to do your part to at least help somehow, every little bit of help matters. So please donate. Please contribute. There is a link here in the nest. It's to mria8.org. It's also listed in the title of this space. Again, yeah. every small contribution, every small donation matters because it accretes. Even such small thing as a $20, $30 donation, it translates into a saved life. Because the, uh, basically a tourniquet, which costs like, what, $25, is often a difference between life and death. So every small donation matters. Please do donate. Please do help these people on the ground in Ukraine. Please do donate to Maria Aid. And again, reach out to your elected officials. Spread the word. Spread this message. Share and retweet the link that is in the nest about the Father's Day. Today is the Father's Day, but in Ukraine, in Ukraine, Ukrainian fathers are fighting and dying for Ukraine and for all of us. So spread the message. Address oh, well. your elected officials and please contribute. Contribute oh, I do. to Maria. I really Thank do. You. Um, thank you. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Maddie or Esperanza were next. Esperanza. Esperanza, go ahead. Thanks very much. 
Uh, and, uh, um, uh, we know there's a quite a lot of weapons being pushed over the Polish uh, border. I'm coming from Poland, and um, I'd like to know is uh, if uh, well, I, I missed the Colonel Spencer. Uh, uh, I, I couldn't ask uh, the question. Like, well, I missed it out. So um, I, I'd like to know whether is there any uh, anything uh, spoken about the repl- replenishment of. Uh, of the weapons that Poles are giving over to uh, to Ukraine at the moment, uh, was it uh, was it uh, a topic of the discussion uh, that, that uh, before? Uh, I cannot answer that question. Uh, are Emmer Axel available? Uh, anybody else on the panel care to respond? I'm I'm here. What was the question? The question was: Was there any replenishment of of the uh, of the weapons sent from Poland to uh, to Ukraine for Poles? You mean the tanks? Well, whatever it's sent, I mean, I don't know what was sent uh, apart from the tanks. So, uh, uh, and we don't want to talk about that uh, openly. But uh, it, were there any talks about that? Because uh, I don't it, think that this is a matter of talks. The U- United States of America and Great Britain have supplied uh, Poland with a substantial amount of ammunition, rifles, and the likes. I would be utterly surprised if the Polish army had been left out. Uh, actually quite concerned if it were the case, but I have no evidence of that. On the contrary, everything I've heard so far from my Polish friends and colleagues is that Poland is uh, very well armed. I believe there was $8.7 billion of the $40 billion Lend-Lease package was earmarked for replenishment of military inventory that had been provided to Ukraine, and I don't believe they specified between uh, U.S.-possessed equipment and other European nations that may have provided equipment with the explicit knowledge that they would be backfilled by the Americans. So uh, no specific information, but that's not to say it isn't happening. Weapons need silence. So that's, that seems okay. Loose lips. Thank you very much. And uh, I feel compelled to just remark that uh, while a bunch of this stuff was airlifted into Poland or taken to Ukraine by uh, countries in Europe. There's a, a lot of material coming from the West right now that that is probably on ships because that's the most economical way to move massive amounts of equipment. Uh, one ship of equipment can equal m- multiple mini airlifts at a fraction of the cost. So if they airlifted some equipment over and got European equipment delivered to uh, immediately take care of Ukraine's needs and they're planning on supplying more here in the weeks to come. I think uh, everybody should just be cautiously optimistic and uh, know that more is on the way. And my, my, my question, well, I was, my concern was whether, is there any bottleneck at the moment? Uh, because we need the heavy weapons, right? So uh, um, if there is some refill coming, that means uh, the, the heavy weapons are coming. Uh, I'm not aware of any bottlenecks. I'm sure there are logistical constraints all along that process. Um, You know, it's equipment being shipped into a war zone, so they have to be pretty careful about how they get it there. I think if you'll recall, in the first week or two of the war, there was a massive training facility that was struck in Lviv because people were a little bit too vocal about what was going on in Ukraine. So I think... Uh, the less information we have on how stuff gets there, the better. And um, 
when we see it destroying Russian positions, I'll be happy in knowing that it's there. We, Thank you. That's all I had. Thank you. The, the Caesars are a great example. Everybody was complaining that France had only donated four Caesars to Ukraine. And we came to learn much later, weeks later, after we'd been berating the French. And I'm not saying we shouldn't keep berating the French because I'm an American. But uh, we found out they actually had given eight and they were giving many more. So, you know, just because we're not hearing about it streaming across the Twitter headlines doesn't mean it's not happening. Uh, Maddie, and then June. Yeah, kind of going back, sorry for backtracking on the conversation, going back on the topic of supplying weapons to Ukraine. I think some of the people who are using this argument of money should really consider how much money was spent by the United States in the Middle East and Afghanistan. And the comparisons just simply pale. Uh, the amount of money that was spent in Afghanistan and in the Middle East combined is in trillions. And so far, Ukraine has been provided just a tiny fraction of that. And it, if you use a cold heart approach and don't think of any morals or, or of any values, uh, I think the best way to approach this problem is to think of the consequences. If Ukraine is not provided with sufficient weaponry to fight off the Russians and kick them back into their own territory, eventually uh, Russia is going to start a conflict someplace else. So that can is going to get kicked down the road over and over. Uh, we've seen it happening in the past. And uh, now it was a pretty actually good opportunity for the West to get rid of a regime and even a country that's been uh, attacking its neighbors for God knows how, how long, um, and without actually getting involved militarily themselves. Uh, and ultimately, just spending money and providing weapons, uh, because let's be honest, the Ukrainians, if you really look at the numbers, uh, uh, the kind of armaments they're asking for is actually not an insane amount. It's a lot, but it's, it's reasonable. Uh, so it's going to be a lot cheaper to give Ukraine everything they ask for that rather than eventually, maybe not now, but sometime in the future to get into a military confrontation with Russia, because eventually it is going to happen if Ukraine is not assisted. Yeah, I've uh, said that in different terms, but I agree with your general thesis that uh, if we kick this can down the road, it will only have to consider these economic leverage points uh, and they'll only strengthen them against us. We we need to just rip this Band-Aid off now and and uh, once and for all, show Russia that they can't use bullying and genocide to get their way in the world. June, go ahead. Yeah, hey. So, hey, Walter, thank you for having your friend on. That was uh, that was very, you know, emotional just to hear that uh, in so many ways. And from the luxury of my own home, which is a whole other embarrassing issue. But um, what we just heard from that man was the echo slash consequences of decisions of commitment, total commitment that weren't made 60 or 90 days ago. Okay. And think about the, 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 the piece, the kit that has not yet been committed. We could easily hear that story in late August from another man or woman in combat. So in a bipartisan way, putting my tolerance for gradualism or incrementalism towards equipping Ukraine has gone to zero. And I personally view anyone who enables that narrative 
uh, or is apologetic for that narrative or makes excuses for that narrative. Um, I've drawn a line in the sand just where I personally stand on that view. And um, we it's anyway, but thank you for having your friend because that was, you know, he said it better. He said it better than we can ever say it. And he it's not what if he's saying what is. So thank you. Thank you, June. Uh, M, you had your hand up. Yeah, very briefly, and to uh, quote uh, Craig, that is not a narrative. Uh, John, I understand your frustration, and I wholeheartedly side with you. But you have to understand this. The United States government runs, trains, operates, audits the United States intelligence community, which is, at this point in time and space, N as a number of agencies. I think it's 19. Could be a little bit less, could be a little bit more. Those are American citizens, American analysts, Americans manager, American managers, American servicemen from different walks of life, from different ethnicities across the political spectrum. And they are required by training, by oath, by law to provide the best possible assessment and the best available options for the political leadership to decide on. The escalation ladder is real. Sequential response is real. This is how things are carried out in a democracy. There is an analyst, and then there is a senior analyst, and then there is the tenth man who is questioning the conclusion all the analysts arrive at. And they send their product to the political leadership, and the political leadership decides on it. But make, mo make no mistake, before the invasion, and since 2014, a lot of bright minds and good hearts have been working on this. And they have been trying to contain it, to stop it, to fight it. And they are right now. But they also have to consider the fate of the rest of us. Eight, nine billion people sharing this planet. It is sad, but if we are to point fingers today, if we are to point fingers 90 days ago, if we are to point fingers 120 days ago, if we are to point fingers back in 2014, let's not forget that commercial airplane that was shot over Ukraine. There is only one direction to point that finger at. And if we are being polite, then it is, quote-unquote, the current political Russian leadership in Moscow. And if we are to call a spade a spade, it is one delusional man trying to project the image of an international gangster and his minions running a criminal syndicate that is involved in everything from again, quote-unquote prostitution since the quote-unquote president of Russia says, said on tape, oh, we have the best prostitutes in the world to his generals, to his diplomat, to his minister of foreign affairs, to his tier one, tier two, tier three, middle rank, upper rank, lower rank officers who are going with this. The Russians would have invaded anyway. The current president of the United States, regardless of his political affiliation, spoke to the world and told them that the Russians were going to go ahead with their invasion, which more or less absolved the U.S. intelligence community of its past failures, because they got this one quite Johnny on the spot. There is only one finger to point, and there is only one direction to point it at. 
that is Moscow, the crime syndicate that is currently Russia, that is currently running the Russian Federation against its own people before running it against the peoples of the world, including the people of the United States of America. And yes, as an analyst, I understand why American analysts did it. I understand why British analysts did it. And I understand because we would want to err on the conservative sides. Because you know what? Human life is not a game for us. But for them, it is. And if someone who doesn't take the Lord's name in vain and doesn't take human life in vain, errs on the, con on the conservative side and tries to save, to save lives, tries to stop this madness, and then you got absolutely bad shit, ideological, cynical, criminal, quote-unquote rational players on the other side operating within an evil paradigm, then no, the blame falls squarely with them. In the wise world, words of uh, Marcus Aurelius, the best revenge is not to become like your enemy. The moment you do that, you lose the moral high ground. And the moment you do that, you, lost, you lose leading the international political system. And the moment you do that, or you lose that, every single decent human being in the world loses their hope in a better tomorrow and a better future. Thank you, Em. Um, somebody is hot micing. Patty, um, I don't know if those chips are good, but I, it sounds like they are. Um, let's go Duchess and then Patty. Can I just add, before Duchess goes, apologies, Duchess. I was uh, unfortunately late getting outside with the dog because I have a dog which is sick. Happens. Anyway, let me just add one thing to him. I don't think that anyone here is relitigating the preparations. The blame is, of course, on the Russian side. We all know this. The only thing which people are disconcerted about, and for good reason, is the lack of pressure exerted upon the Europeans at an earlier stage to provide more and heavy weapons earlier. And the fact that rocket artillery is only coming uh, onto the planning schedule now is despicable. Yeah, but Please Caesar said that, that the Russian Air Force was still active and they still had a lot of uh, stocks of guided ammunition that they have now depleted that could have been used to target those platforms the moment they were deployed. So End of March, not, yeah, I'm not doing not the... I'm not, End of yeah, March, not April. Sorry. I, uh, with all due respect for everyone, of course, Axel is like a father figure for me. So when I when I argue with Axel, it's always the you know the child trying to say, "Dad, please no, consider this no, point." No, this. yes, this, <laughs> this is no, this. I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not pulling an emotional argument on you or anything. But seriously, Axel is like a father figure for me. So when I when I argue with Axel, I try to point out that you know it, it is becoming more dynamic, and it stems from an evil paradigm that Axel 100% understands, of course, no doubt. But still. The, there is an edge to this that I feel personally, and this is a personal opinion, and everyone is entitled to disagree with me when it comes to that, that pe most people are just missing out on the vastness of the evil paradigm the Russians are operating with it. And the limitations being placed on the good boys who are doing the good fight because they were raised to be good boys. That's the whole point. And it's not an ageism argument. So Axel gets me. <laughs> when you say it's not ageism, I really start feeling old. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> rocket artillery should have been on the table already in early April but 
Duchess, please go. Thank you again. Um, just one thing I would like to add. Noticing in the UK media, especially UK papers over the weekend, is that Russian influence within Westminster has been far greater, I think, than we already thought. And sadly, we are being shown that it's a lot worse than it, than it, we thought it was. Um, there has been a report of approximately 50 Russian operatives in the UK. And although this may get a, a bit political, and I do apologise, the fact that our Prime Minister and his government are still accepting donations from Russian-backed donors. While, on the one hand, this is going on, on the other hand, he's over in Kiev. And on um, the at the same time, Alex, Alex Salmond is doing what? I have absolutely no idea what Alex Salmond does. I have no interest in him whatsoever. I'm just saying, I mean, Sturgeon, Salmon, Scholz, Triple S, all of them failure. Yeah, it, at times it would be so much easier if we could just tear down the whole political system totally to the bones then, and start building it up again. Are you still happy with Ben Wallace, then? Um If he could learn to spell Ukraine properly, yes. <laughs> That's much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I think Ben Wallace is doing the very best he can under very extreme circumstances. Um, as for those in Westminster, I would rather not comment. But again, it's all a question of getting all the heavy equipment to Ukraine so that they can do what they have to do because if it went horribly, the Russians are not going to stop at the Ukrainian border. They are just going to carry on. And Great Britain being in Ireland is, it's, Ukraine, you know, is, is landlocked more or less. Um, as we all know, UK is an island. Well, it won't make the slightest bit of difference this time. We know well, the RF interrupt. May I interrupt? A question for you. Don't you think that this island has always supported democracy and freedom? Up until recently, I would say absolutely. What we've seen at home over the past week, 10 days, there's a lot of upset and confusion being called. You know, cause and in a way it's like a distraction there's so much going on here it's to distract you as to what's going on elsewhere if you get my drift I hear you but then again uh, I think we have to survive that I know we have to fight through it because ultimately the most important thing is that whatever government that is in power they have to provide, ultimately, the money and the munitions for Ukraine to prevail. Thank you for that. Right. Sorry, I'm back. Um, did we have any hands? 
I was finishing up some weekend chores here, so I've been uh, leaving you hanging out. So. Weekend chores, that does mean what? Uh, packing up uh, go bags and uh, closing up ammunition casket? Exactly. Reloading my, own, reloading my own ammo. You know how we do it in Oklahoma. That was a joke, by the way. I, I live in a metropolitan up, area. I do not reload my own ammunition. <laughs> I'm just counting all the train cars of uh, military supplies that are headed towards Houston in support of Ukraine. That's another interesting thing. We see fewer and fewer pictures from the U.S. as to transportation. And that's a good thing because A, the transports are coming and B, fewer people are showing it because the Americans have completely understood what matters. Loose lips sink ships. Uh, we do have a number of speakers here on the panel. Um, if anybody has a question or a comment, feel free to raise your hand. Oh, the moose is loose. My favorite maple syrup mafia member is joining the panel. But it's only organic maple syrup, right? For sure. I, I, I don't know time? if there's any other way to make maple syrup. It It's basically tree whiz. In condensate form. Yes, rendered tree whiz. I was just want to say, Diego, uh, if you want to speak, go ahead, raise your hand. Uh, you got a hot mic there, buddy. I can't get my hand to work. Here we go. I can fix that. Oh, you can't get your hand to work. Actually, go ahead, Diego. Um, to get the hand to work, you push the heart button with the plus sign on the bottom right, and it's the furthest right emoji. But please continue. I, uh, I muted you thinking that you didn't know how to make your mic work. So no offense. No, my hand wasn't there, so I didn't. I couldn't figure out why. Um, I just wanted to, to uh, find out. I, I came in really late, and I wanted to find out, has anybody heard anything new on the um, POWs from the um, Azovstal area? I, I saw something yesterday that they may, some of them may be being released. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention real quick was, what, speaking on what you were just speaking about, is um, I am so worried about a different political party getting in, well, a specific person, Trump, getting in in the U.S. because he's a Putin fan. Uh, so, yeah, that's really got me concerned as for the Ukraine. I wouldn't fret too much over that, um, even if that prospect were to become more likely, and I don't think it is. Uh, that's years in the future, and we've got much bigger issues okay. to concern ourselves with in the short term. Um, as, give it oh, a, you want to take the other one in there, Ryan? Uh, what was the other question? Uh, the status of the POWs uh, from the uh, Vastapol plant. I have heard only of the uh, paramedic, the female. I think she was like a marathon runner. Uh, that's the only person I've heard of being released, uh, to my knowledge. And she was essentially a non-combatant. She was, uh, by if you go review some of her own video footage that she snuck out of that area, she was serving and trying to tend and render aid to both Ukrainian and Russian injured people. So yes, I, think. Uh, I, I think they realized that holding her and uh, detaining her would serve them no purpose. Regarding uh, the American POWs, I've heard nothing at all since uh, the photograph that was released of them alive and in captivity. But uh, <clears throat> Sorry. I think I saw the, uh, the story about the... Uh, medic being released and I was hoping others were too, but I thought I read something else, but. Um. Well, um, 
I think the difference between her and everyone else that they took into captivity is that by virtue of, of the video that she snuck out, and that's the only reason that we even know any of this was had happened, she proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was rendering aid to both sides of the conflict, and she was really acting as a non-combatant uh, medical support person. So they they would have egg on their face to hold her in captivity after that was made so blatantly apparent to the world at large. Yeah. Okay. I, I dare say I would uh, I would watch what you're you know what you're intaking on the interwebs or in the mainstream uh, media. You know, unless something happens and we get a press release from the uh, Ministry of Defense uh, for Ukraine, you know, I I'm I'm not I'm going to take everything with a grain of salt. Right. Absolutely. I try. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, Moose, are you just joining to assist or did you have some good news for us? Any other spontaneous combustions and combustion? I, I got I got nothing. I'm 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 still eating breakfast at uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. Good God, man! What time do you get out of bed? I got a bed. I got a be- out of bed at like six. Uh, however, you know it's it's one of these things. I'm noodling away at uh, at at the uh, Walter Report, uh, you know, Twitter Space, and uh, doing all the stuff in the background. And I just want to mention to the uh, listeners. Uh, the Walter Report now has a Facebook group. So if you're uh, still living in uh, 2001 and have a Facebook account, by all means, go uh, go like and share the group. Uh, we've posted all the videos from the Walter Report uh, YouTube channel. So you can go there and click and listen to the ones that are uh, currently up. The uh, multimedia team is working diligently excuse me and it's uh it's one hell of a task that they're that they're doing is uh uh rendering all the uh, all the interviews and getting them up uh up to